Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. And we're going to say some nice things about Detroit and some nice things about a couple of people that I met a few years ago when I was uh, in Detroit, my hometown. And I was late night in a copy of Kinko's in Downriver, Detroit. And I was making all kinds of printed materials relating to my Say Nice Things About Detroit movement. We started in the 1970s and which continues. And there were a couple other people in there and they were busy making copies of all kinds of things, something they were working on. And and it was called The Undercard. I kept, They had uh, bumper stickers. Somebody had came and delivered some bumper stickers to them. And it's called The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. And we got talking and it turns out that Brad Snyder and Rochelle Wittick um, had created a a radio show, The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio, and we stayed in touch with each other. They wanted, oh, how can we have one of those Say Nice Things About Detroit stickers? And I was interested in what they were doing because back in the 70s and 80s, my partner, Herb, Pooh Squires, and I were very involved uh, with Tommy Hearns and Emmanuel Stewart and creating some some crazy promotions in Detroit to get boxing back on the map. That was in the late 70s, and uh, Tommy Hearns was just starting to fight professionally, and and uh, Hilmer Kenty had won a title. I think his was featherweight. But Emmanuel Stewart, who uh, worked as an electrician, on the, uh, that was his, his day work, but he was also uh, training boxers at Cronk Gym, which was a city gymnasium, and... Everybody, a lot of people used a lot of imagination, and, and Emmanuel used a whole lot of his brain power, and he was a boxer himself, but to create some real champions that came out of Detroit, and and also that he trained elsewhere, Oscar De La Hoya, um, who else, uh, Lennox Lewis, uh, Holyfield, a, a incredible history, uh, the Kronk Gym. Has a has a wonderful history, but anyway, Manuel passed away a few years ago, and it, of course it closed down, and now it's turned out that his daughter, who it was a little girl when I knew Emmanuel. In fact, I was just reading recently that she had graduated, um, that she got her master's in finance, and she got that from Columbia University, where she had previously graduated summa laude with a uh, business financial associate, I guess, BFA, from New York University in 1991. So fast forward to now, and she's putting her energy into uh, starting the Kronk Gym again in Detroit. And I listened to Brad and Rochelle Wittick's, uh, Brad Snyder's, their radio show, The Undercard, regularly. I've been a regular listener ever since I met them two years ago. And we've done a couple of shows together when I've been in Detroit because they also are big supporters of Detroit. They work for an organization called Midtown, which has been around for many, many years under the guidance of Sue Mosley. And kudos to everybody that for so many years has tirelessly been committed to the city of Detroit. And Brad and Rochelle are the new generation that have so much interest. But for them, to the way they've combined uh, their, their radio show and their love of Detroit and their work with Midtown and They've got a great following with their undercard uh, radio show. They're moving to a new network. Uh, it's called IT and the D. They're going to kind of announce that on my show tonight. And I actually talked with Brad a couple of days ago. I'm just doing the intro right now. But I had heard a radio show where he had Sylvia Stewart-Williams on the show talking about opening the legendary 
the world legendary Croc Gym and reopening it. And it's going to happen uh, the end of May. And I heard the show and I just, I loved her interview and how she talked about her father, how many, so many people thought that he just was successful, all of a sudden became famous. But there's a whole lot about Emmanuel's rise to his um, great reputation he had, just a, just the, the, the amount of, uh, not just the boxing he taught his champions and the boxers that fought and and uh, worked with him, but just the social skills, etiquette, just uh, all kinds of life life skills that Emmanuel was dedicated to helping young people. And so many of them moved on to great careers. And I did hear Tommy Hearns on another local Detroit show a few weeks ago and got in touch with him. That was kind of fun. I sent him a picture of... Tommy and I at a mock way and the two of us standing on the scale <laughs> and I got a kick out of that and he got a nice response from him. So all of this is important to me because it's a piece of history that I was a part of, but I think it's also a piece of history that is important to remember and, and any community's life. And the seventies and eighties were a really pivotal time in Detroit. And of course Detroit being known for such a sports world and I just think it's wonderful what uh, Brad Snyder and Rochelle Wittick and their their associates have done with the undercard, and Brad's gotten real involved in uh, the Golden Clubs. He's on the Golden Gloves. He's on the board. So let me uh, get started here. The first piece of the show, or this next piece, is going to be the interview that Brad had on his last one of his shows with Sylvia Stewart Williams about the opening of Cronk, and then we're going going to go into my um, talk story I did with Brad a couple days ago. And um, I apologize, I mispronounced uh, Rochelle's last name, Witsick. I kept calling her, it's Wittick. But I've always known them as Brad and Rochelle, the team of. And they're just, they've become, for me, um, important friends because they represent the the young people in Detroit and, uh, well, in every community. We have it happening here in Hawaii today. That it, it, It's going on all the time, the next wave of of doers that are doing great things, and they have, and I love that I'm able to continue my Say Nice Things About Detroit movement in Detroit and across the country, and uh, with the support of so many people, including the the undercard, uh, and Brad and Rochelle, Shinola, Whole Foods Detroit, Virgin Airlines just did a, a great promotional piece about them flying flights from London to Detroit, and they mentioned the Say Nice Things About Detroit movement. So uh, this is a show about uh, the Undercard Radio Show, but it's also an opportunity for me to thank Brad and Rochelle for their continual support of my efforts in Detroit as well. It's wonderful to be mutually supportive. It's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPN Radio, and here is a segment from the Undercard Hand Combat Radio of recent with Sylvia uh, Stewart-Williams about the Kronk Gymnasium, the legendary Kronk Gym reopening. So we're going to call up uh, none other than Sylvia Stewart-Williams. Uh, she is the owner of the Kronk and Emmanuel Stewart's uh, daughter. Hello. Hi, Sylvia. This is Brad. You're live on the undercard. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. All right, we're being joined, uh, as I said before, by uh, Sylvia Stewart-Williams. Uh, she is the owner of the Kronk, Emanuel Stewart's uh, daughter. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to start off here by uh, a big announcement you got coming up uh, about a grand opening of the Kronk. Can you uh, fill us in and uh, let our listeners know what's going on with that? Okay, yes, we're having a Kronk grand opening. It is called the Kronk Community Center. 
that will be May the 25th, and yes, it is Memorial Day, and that will be from 12 noon to 3 p.m. And uh, for everybody that uh, wants to know the new address, it is 5920, uh, is it Metal or M? Metatol. Metatol, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Um, What's going to happen at this grand opening, and is it open to the uh, public? It will be open up to the public. And we wanted to wait until Jada Thomas, you know, come back from Taiwan. And she should be returning back two days from uh, before that. And then we're going to have the grand opening. Uh, so it's, it's pretty exciting. We, you know, had the old crunch and we had to close it down after my father passed. And it took a long time for us to get reorganized. Now, you, you talked a little bit about uh, Jada Thomas here. We'll, we'll start off with her. Uh, she'll be representing the USA in Taiwan. Um, yes. Although this is the grand opening on the 25th, uh, the Kronk's been open for a little bit with uh, Jada Thomas uh, uh, actually working out in the Kronk. Uh, tell us a little bit about yes. her and uh, what she's going to be doing for Team USA in Taiwan. She is a weight, which is the same classification that my father was when he won the um National on um, the voting gloves for the uh, national in 1963. So that's pretty cool. They both are in the same weight classification. And once she wins this, um, her goal is mainly to, you know, continue on so next year she can compete and, you know, represent Detroit, Prox, you know, and the U.S. and, you know, hopefully bring the gold back home. As, you know, like our fighters did in 1984, we had Stevie McCoy and he was a gold medalist. Flyweight. Uh, my father also coached Pennell Whitaker, who also won the gold, Frank Tate, Mark Breland, and we just want to continue that path of bringing you know, the gold back home. Now, how do you think uh, the Kronk will differ with uh, the first fighter this time around being promoted as a female? Um, will there be some female programs that you guys are going to be running with the new Kronk, uh, or um, will there be more female boxers coming through the Kronk this time? It'll probably be more female boxers. Uh, my father did have a couple of them. Lucille um, Rucker, which played in uh, Million Dollar Baby. And I really believe they're coming in now. So I really believe that we probably have a good, strong uh, program for the women's boxing. So um, I was just looking over the press release that you sent me, and uh, everything looks good. Tell tell everybody what they can expect with this new Kronk. You got some uh, uh, some new stuff there for uh, people to uh, do, even some stuff that if you want to get some boxing training in, but you're not a professional boxer, you have some stuff also. Tell us a little bit about who's training and what you'll have to offer this time around. Okay, our trainer right now is Milton McCoy, which is the former uh, world champion. Um, Javen Sugar Hill, which is my cousin, Emmanuel's nephew, who also trains um, the world champion WBC light heavyweight Adonis Stevenson. We also have um, Chambers, Beatrice Chambers, and he uh, trains the IVF uh, Cornelius Bundes, which you know we call K9, and Jonathan Banks, you know who has the um, heavyweight champion of the world, Klitschko. So it's you know it's, it's exciting. A lot of people do not know that Kronk has, you know, a world champion right now, and we do. And, you know, I just want the news out that the gym is still alive, and, you know, we're doing pretty good. 
Now, you, you talked a little bit about um, reorganizing and stuff. Just, just give us a little taste of it. We don't want to get too much into it, but obviously when your father passed, um, some of the fighters went to different gyms and stuff like that, and uh, it took you a while to get the Croc uh, name back uh back into a gym actually um tell us a little bit about um what happened behind the scenes there um and why now the croc is being relaunched yeah we had a little struggle after my father passed away and it was even hard when we um when he was in the hospital we had a lot of people writing news reports we had a lot of people saying that they were croc that they were taking over croc and at the time i could not you know, deal with the media. I was pretty quiet. I was, you know, with my father. My aunt, Diane, she was so busy, you know, writing the reporters, trying to tell them the truth. And we really didn't have time to mourn the way we should have. So during that time, we had people, you know, after he passed, they decided they wanted to put up a crime jam. And I was like, wow, you know, you don't even own it. But they did. And it was getting ready to be allowed, you know, until I started going and, you know, really talking to the press and getting my story out. But at the gym, you know, the good thing is you don't have to be a fighter. A lot of people come in for exercise. And, you know, if you come in as a fighter and you're an amateur, you do have to get registered, you know, through the United States, you know, with, um, with Detroit. And, uh, wow, I'm just, you know, I'm so excited right now. But we do, you know, our professional fighters do not have to get registered, you know, because they're not amateurs, but... They get a chance to travel, and that's the thing I do like about with the youth, and that's what my father's heart was, was with the youth. And when we had Tommy and Milton, and the baddest fighter we ever had was Bernard Superbad Maze. <laughs> you know, they, um, all they knew was Detroit. Once they started going, um, doing boxing, they got a chance to get out of Detroit. They started going to the Ohio State Fair. And with Bernard, he was one of our best fighters, and really the best fighter ever. He had 200 amateur fight and only lost one. Wow. You know, it's just, it, his record was just great. And um, Tommy didn't like going in, uh, going to the gym and seeing him there. I think Milton got away because he was a whole different uh, weight classification. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited about the cross right now. Now, and for people that don't know um, ab- about you, uh, you come from a boxing background. This isn't something that you inherited. Back when your dad was still alive, in 1988, you became a boxing promoter. Uh, you promoted yeah. a show in uh, Tucson, Arizona. And then you've also promoted shows that were uh, um, at the Palace of Auburn Hills, Julius Arena, the Fisher Building. So you have a lot of experience in boxing, too. It's not that you just even grew up with it. It's that you were part of the industry in the past, too. It was part of my life. When I was in Detroit, I actually tried to get away from the boxing. So I moved to Arizona, went down, to, you know, down there to go to college. And then my father came down there and started having me promote fights. So I couldn't get away from the boxing field, period. And uh, I have to ask you, we got a couple more questions for you, but we're really excited. We're going to be down there on the 25th uh, to support. Um, okay. Everywhere I go, the Kronk, people still wear it, and still people still talk about it, and it's, it, it's a great a great thing, and it's so associated with Detroit and so associated with boxing. But uh, the fight of the century, uh, so-called fight of the century, the Mayweather-Pacquiao, were you able to watch that? Wow. No, I stayed here. It was a typical Mayweather fight. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I wish 
Manny was able. I wish Manny could cut him off more, you know, in the ring. But uh-huh. it really, you know, it didn't happen. And Mayweather, you know, it's not going to really let you get him caught up in a corner. My concern now is I wonder if the outcome would have, uh, would have been different if Manny's shoulder, you know, wasn't hurt. Exactly. We don't know. Yeah. And uh, he might get another shot at a rematch. And then uh, a couple other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, tell us a story about your dad that maybe people didn't know, something that you observed maybe with a fighter as you were growing up. Uh, you know, it can be touching or something that you saw that you'll always remember your dad in, in boxing, something that came across or a moment you caught that will always stay with you. Well, one of the things that uh, concerns me, and it's not really – something, how can I explain this? You know, a lot of times I hear a coach say, well, you know, Emmanuel, I could have did this. And they see my father, you know, well, they have seen my father with these champions. They're seeing with Cusco. They're seeing with Lennox Lewis. But they don't really know how he got started. When he, he had to work as, wow, he was an electrician. Went to school for four years in college. So he was a master electrician. He got into boxing through um, Mayor Coleman Young. My father was getting into a lot of trouble, and he told him to go down to the gym and start, you know, coaching, you know, start working with the kids. And that's how he got to Crump. A lot of people don't know my father trained at the uh, Brewster gym. Their name Joe Lewis. Their name a lot of people, but it's like he was one of the um, fighters that came from that gym, and then you know eventually went to Crump. And the thing that, like I said, that concerns me when people say, well, I can do what Emmanuel did. They don't really realize the time that he spent with these kids from scratch, meaning that Bernard Mays and Tommy and Milton and Jimmy Paul, none of them were skilled. They had to learn it. They had to have somebody develop them. They had to have somebody, you know, take every dime that they had to take them down to the Ohio State Fair, to get them to, you know, um, what's the place, Hawaii. And, but the good thing was my father had people like uh, Tony Matella um, and Sam Mafata to help them, you know, help the kids get where they need to go. But they don't really understand that he started from the ground up, you know, with those kids when they were 10. So it was a long journey. It was not a journey that just happened, that um, these heavyweights and the fighters just came to him. He had to develop them, from, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing that I'll, I'll always remember about Emmanuel is that even when he was traveling with HBO and he, he was on, uh, uh, you know, training uh, the Klitschko's and stuff like that, you would still talk to him and he was still well aware of what was going on in the amateur program or who was coming up. And that's the, the ability to recognize talent is not easy in boxing. It's a skill that um, Emmanuel had. There's a few other people that I've talked to that have it, but he was able to really assess talent too which is is really yeah. tough in boxing it is um it is. so so tell us uh the 25th um um it's open to the general public um and then starting on that following tuesday it's open for business yes all right Milton Aquarius is there about four thirty. so about it's four thirty to 8 Perfect. Well, we want to thank you for joining us in um, announcing this big announcement. We're very excited about it. Uh, we'll be there on the 25th. It's good for boxing after uh, such a, a bad 
negative weekend with boxing where everybody's anti, uh, uh, you know, the fight industry. Uh, this news right. is going to get out quick, and uh, people are going to absolutely love that uh, the croc is reopening on the 25th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time and letting me be on the air with you. Thank you, Sylvia. We'll have you back anytime you want. Thank you. Okay. It's my pleasure. All right. That is uh, Sylvia Stewart uh, Williams. Uh, big announcement: The Cronk is reopening, grand opening, May twenty fifth, uh, twenty fifteen, from twelve uh, noon to three p.m. I'm gonna make sure Jimmy posts uh, all that information there. And the people that they have coaching, man, um, that's just absolutely insane. Uh, so uh, once again, people will be talking about uh, Detroit as a, a destination to uh, come in and do camps and everything like that. So that's going to be absolutely uh, great. So that was Brad Snyder talking with Sylvia Stewart-Williams. Got permission from Brad to run that. And now I've got him on the line, and we're going to talk about Croc Gym opening again. And, Brad, thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Brad, you know, it's fun when I was uh, listening to that and thinking, gosh, that's Emmanuel Stewart's daughter. I mean, I knew her when she was a little girl. I was involved with Emmanuel Stewart and Croc Jim 30, 35 years ago when Tommy was like 17, 18, just starting his first fight. His Walter White Championship was the first. And and, and we, you and I and, and Rochelle uh, Witzik met on some unusual circumstances, and lo and behold, we have so many areas where our lives uh, cross, and it was like we were supposed to have met. So talk a little bit about uh, what it means to you and really for people in Detroit that Sylvia has has been able to create this opportunity in, in honor of her, her, her father and, and all the champions that came out of Kronk and all the ones that weren't champions but worked so hard and what Kronk has meant to the city of Detroit and and your history with them. Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, the importance to the Kronk, uh being associated with Detroit is, is just there. Even though it's been away since Emmanuel's past, there's still the sense that um, it needed to be reopened. It, it's such a part of Detroit. And um, Sylvia um, decided to um, finish her father's vision, I guess, as uh, reopening it and uh, continuing to... Um, uh, train young fighters. I mean, uh, the the boxing discipline, whether you you like boxing or not, is good for young young athletes and young people that um, maybe don't have a lot of outlets in life. So the Croc Gym reopening the name um, for a regional standpoint is just huge. I mean, it, it's it's like a almost like the big three automotive companies or something like that. It's just it's associated with Detroit and it, it has such pride. People know of it around the world. No matter where I am, if I'm wearing something crack around the world, people recognize it and always want to talk about it. And so from that standpoint alone, what Sylvia is doing is absolutely amazing. And I know the the people she's going to be working with um, are all have a crack background. You know, uh, Javon Sugar Hill will be there. Uh, Milton McCrory will be there. And so it's going to have the same feel as it did back in the day, too, because a lot of Emmanuel's legacy, what he passed on, is uh, what we see in these people, what we see in Sugar Hill, what we see in uh, Milton McCrory, and what we see in these rising athletes in uh, Tony Harrison and uh, Anthony Barnes right now. Um, So his legacy has always lived on. It's just now the open signs on again. 
And we were lucky enough to have Sylvia come on and talk a little bit about it. And so it was really, really cool for us, you know, because when the undercard radio show um, started, the Kronk had closed, the manual had passed. And so it, it's just good to have, like I say, the open sign on, even though it was uh, always there. Well, Brad Snyder, uh, the undercard radio station on Facebook and uh, Hand Combat Radio. You've done 148 shows so far, and, and I've listened to quite a few over the last year since I met you, two years ago, I think, in Detroit. We were both uh, all in a, a Kinko's working very hard on our passion. Yours was boxing. Mine was on the I Say Nice Things About Detroit uh, movement and, and, and printed materials, and we all, you know, it make uh, – like an acquaintance there, and we've continued it, and it's, I just love, that's what's so interesting about Detroit is the, the fingers and the threads of people connected on in, and for different reasons, you mentioned Milton McCrory, I remember Milton and Stephen, Stevie, we, we all worked with Emmanuel in that era, uh, doing promotions, and, and Detroiters stay in Detroit, and, and they love keeping those legacies on, but talk a little bit, because you've really been a voice out there, not just for boxing, but the undercard is, uh, uh, coverage of hand combat sport, including boxing and MMA, which we'll get into. But uh, you've been a real source of education for people. And for those that, and many people do know, they hear Emmanuel Stewart, you know, the World Boxing Hall of Fame, all of the accolades of the champions he trained. But as his daughter was so, just seemed so uh, committed to getting the story out there that it wasn't always like that. I remember when, when Emmanuel worked for Detroit Edison. Cronk was a city gym. Talk about that history a little bit, you know. And I love you always talk about how boxing in Detroit, it's synonymous with Detroit. You know, people get up again and they just keep keep doing it, right? Never giving up. Right. Well, the first part you touched on is uh, when we started the undercard, it, it really was for entertainment value. We've been compared to like uh, of recently, like the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show of, of, of hand combat. We kind of have a lot of fun because it, it can get serious. But we want to also cater to the real serious fans. But there reached a point where um, I, I kind of felt like, well, we should be more leaders and we should be kind of active in getting the sports to where where we want to. And I, I've had opportunities to do that. And all of a sudden, like, the role has changed where people actually look up to you as a voice for certain things. I was approached by uh, Anthony Barnes' father, Oris Barnes, about getting on the Metro Detroit Golden Gloves board. It was one of the best things I've ever done. We were able to bring the Metro Detroit Golden Gloves back. The whole board worked together to bring it back to Detroit, and it was at Burt's Warehouse, which is a very popular place in Detroit. And for the first time in, I believe, nine or 12 years, it was down in the city limits of Detroit. And, right down there uh, on the Metro Eastern Detroit. Market. Oh, yeah. And uh, just absolutely little stuff like that. And we, we've got the board, I believe, where we want at Metro Detroit Golden Gloves right now. we got a lot of people on there that um, they're all pulling their weight. And um, it, 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 you, we're going to see leaps and bounds going forward. Um, so, yeah, the, the transition from being an entertainer to being a little bit of a, a leader in it, I, I don't mind it. I want to help. And so, you know, that's something that um, as I get older at 37, it's something that I want to do. Well, Brad, Brad Snyder, uh, the producer, host, and, and uh, just such a tremendous supporter. The name of it, again, we said the undercard uh, radio station on Facebook. 
But you, I can tell as I've been following you for the last two years that people do really look to you not just for being uh, educating and, as you say, being involved, but you're getting involved in the Golden Gloves has really turned it around. I mean, they needed people like yourself that really had commitment. Emmanuel started in, in the uh, Golden Gloves, didn't he, as a young kid? Yeah, uh, you know, there, there's been so many fighters that have come through the Golden Gloves and uh, amateur be- uh, boxing, although two different sports, because pro boxing and amateur boxing, really they're scored differently. And sometimes an amateur boxer is not necessarily a good pro boxer and vice versa. Um, it, it's just important, the developmental, the fundamentals, and then having these kids to have an outlet. And so um, Emmanuel was definitely somebody that came through the Golden Glove system. And you can name tons of people. Floyd Mayweather uh, from the west side of Michigan, not the Metro Detroit Golden Gloves, but he came up through the Golden Glove and is probably the most popular boxer right now in the world. And of the past, uh, Michael and Leon Spinks. Of course, Leon was a Detroiter for a long time, right? His attorney was Ed Bell, and he was headquartered there, and I know – Mr. T was his bodyguard and used to hang out at Emily's and have their hot dogs. And But uh, they came up through, through uh, amateur boxing and then on to the Olympics. And it's uh, it, where did your interest start? Was it, do I recall, it was your father back during, like, around the era of uh, Tommy Hearns' Hagler fight, which would have been what? Was that yeah. been like a middleweight, light, middle, light heavyweight? What, what, what class weight would that have been would- for those two? Uh, it was the uh, Sugar Ray Leonard Hagler uh, fight. Um, and that's oh, okay. the first time I remember, remember my dad and watching it on a premium channel. And then I remember the Sphinx Tyson fight, um, him getting me involved in, in watching that. And the love was always there. It, it's a weird sport. It's a niche sport. It, it isn't like baseball, which has a ton of games. It's not like hockey that has a ton, ton of games. You know, the fighters don't consistently fight. And um, so as a kid, you know, Tyson fighting ever so months or something, the interest will wane a little bit. But when I got older, the love was still there. Uh, Mike Tyson had come back and fought in Detroit. Um, uh, he fought Galata in Detroit, and I, I saw Hearns fight at Joe Louis Arena. And so it just became, as I got older, more of a passion, uh, something that I couldn't appreciate as a kid, even though I watched it as a kid. And um, I'm very happy I'm involved in any aspect of boxing in Detroit. And, of course, even as Detroiters, we all kind of grow up knowing about Joe Lewis, and, and uh, that's kind of interesting because uh, the I, I think uh, Manuel originally started his boxing in Detroit when he was, you know, working working at Edison or someone at Brewster Gym, which is where uh, Joe Lewis fought or, you know, did his training. And there's so much history there in Detroit of boxers. And it, it's, uh, it went through a period – before the 70s, that it was kind of it had people weren't paying any attention to it, and there wasn't a lot of boxing. Emmanuel brought it, the World Championships to Detroit, and then that lag there. And did you get into mixed martial arts and the interest in that because that is what was starting to kind of overtake boxing in popularity? You know, Where did that the, the advi- yeah, the advisors that kind of um, kind of were watching over what I was doing at the time just basically realized that although the sports are totally different when it comes to a cage, a ring, times, the way you can submit or win, basically away from it they're the same. You have a weigh-in the day before, you have a press conference, you have the same pre-fight hype. And it basically became a when boxing 
wasn't too busy, I would cover MMA. And um, although the sports are completely different, they're very similar on the organizational side. And so that's how I was kind of brought into it. Um, I was a fan of uh, MMA back in 1993. I remember uh, Hoist Gracie winning uh, the the first USCs and stuff like that. But it became one of those things where, well, you 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 can cover boxing, you might as well cover MMA too. And it's worked out well for the undercard because if there's not much going on in boxing, there's a lot going on in MMA. And when there's not a lot going on in MMA, there's normally a lot going on in boxing. So we've been lucky and blessed that both of them haven't hit a silent period at the same time. Well, of course, here in Hawaii, you know, BJ Penn, he lives over the other side of the island. Uh, MMA is, is real big. But when I first moved here in the 70s, boxing was very popular here, considerably uh Compared to, you know, there were boxing clubs that were active, and you could see that change, and now you see them both kind of emerging in their own respective ways, and yet kind of a mutual regard, I think, and it appears to be. And you've been so involved in promoting fights that are like at Masonic Temple, and here in some of your shows, there's a couple new boxing, uh, you know, some people that are doing pretty well in, in Detroit with their boxing. So talk about, you know, because you sold out, I think, did I hear a couple shows at Masonic or had nice crowds? Yeah, we'll help out promoters if they they, they want. I I don't promote, but uh, the one thing we've done is we've had good relationship with boxers. A lot of these people I've grown up with, um, and then some of the younger fighters I've I've known for five or six years, you earn that trust in which they they will come back to you and they'll do interviews with you or they tell you stuff off the record and it stays with you. And um, the boxing has become a little bit of this upswing, like I was talking about some of these younger fighters. And we, the goal is for me to get somebody to a live fight. I think boxing, until you see it live, is tough to translate on TV. And so on the undercard, we're constantly hyping up shows that are coming up because I think it's one of those sports you have to watch live and just get the feel of it, you know, and, and try to sit as close to the ring as possible and feed off that energy that the fighters have. Well, with that in mind, way back in the late 70s when we were doing some things with uh, Manuel and, and Tommy Hearns was fighting then and, and doing some promotions, one of the things we did was they used to have the workouts in Copal Hall, and we convinced – we didn't have to convince Emmanuel. He was pretty open to our kind of uh, thinking out of the box way of promoting some things, and we suggested putting a, the ring in the Renaissance Center down in the – and the first floor, and we had to convince the new manager at the time, I think his name was Tim Chample, the Renaissance Center had just opened, but our theory was let's take boxing to the three-piece suits. Otherwise, it was only boxing fans that were going over to watch the workouts, and that was a huge hit. And and, uh, just as you're right, exposing people to it, just the athleticism, and and there's a lot of aspects to it that are are interesting, Uh, even just watching how people train and and we did a workouts in the old Shillelagh. One time we did it outside Cobo Hall right over the, the freeway. And and you're right. I mean, what a difference that made when people could just be around it because it wasn't something they would ordinarily go to. But what I like is that it's all it's so much is happening in Detroit. And you're such a Detroit advocate. You're working with a group called Midtown, Sue Mosley. And Midtown have been doing wonderful things in the city for well over 30 years. And the fact that you could weave what you're doing with the undercard and your involvement in uh, the Golden Gloves and amateur boxing and the professional boxing 
and just express what that feels like because that's what a lot of Detroit is about right now, isn't it? People integrating their passions with whatever work they can piece together. Yeah, I mean, I had my son down in Detroit, I think, six hours today. Uh, he sent, he spends more time in Detroit than he does in my uh, in my home even. It's just, it's a part of my life. I spend a lot of time down in Detroit. I absolutely love it. I love the restaurant there. I love the people there. I love to say hi to people on the streets and talk with them. There's a spirit I think we talked about last year when we did the interview. Uh, Detroiters are special people, and... They, they know it, and people uh, like yourself, a Detroiter, uh, no matter where we travel around the world, we have a common bond, and it's really special. And, you know, I want my son to know what Detroit's like and, and, and get to experience it. And so every aspect of Detroit is uh, incorporated in my family, whether it's uh, eating down there, whether it's working down there, whether it's uh, supporting people from there. And that's just where you know, I'm going to lay some of my interest. You know, you, you only have so much time on this earth, and we're going to put our time towards uh, trying to make Detroit a better place, the undercard is at least. And and what a wonderful opportunity you have, both being involved with Midtown uh, and also here with the undercard and being involved in a sport that is so integral with the city of Detroit. So your son, would that be Aiden? Yes, yes, yes. That's Aiden. Okay, so he's what, like uh, nine years old or something? or. How old is Aiden? Yeah, he's going to be 10. He's going to be 10, 10 in August. Okay, so uh, you and Rochelle, and then you've got uh, who, Benjamin, Elijah, Felicity, and they're, what, all 12, 8 years old, 7 years old, or right around that age. Yep. What a wonderful time to to have kids in a, in, in a city so they get comfortable in a city and they never lock that, you know, being in cities out of their adult life they just, because it is part of the fabric of the way they live. But when you say going down to Detroit, you live in an area where, I grew up, it's called Down River Detroit, where all the factories were, and there are different levels or different types of communities, all different. And uh, we're all pretty proud of us. Down Riverites are pretty proud of the integral part that Down River has done for Detroit, because that's where the tool and die shops were all for so many years, and the, the steel mills, and that's where it was all made, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know? Downriver, it's like 10 minutes away from Detroit on I-75. We can get down there pretty quick. And um, like I said, uh, the worst part about it is uh, my son doesn't like driving a lot. So sometimes I drive a lot because of boxing or other stuff. But uh, other than that, he loves being a part of Detroit. He has his favorite places to go. And we always try to let them kind of pick what they want to do in Detroit. Uh, The great museum district, the DIA, the Historical Museum. Uh, there's just so much for kids to do down there. And my son loves the Historical Museum. You wouldn't think a kid would love the Historical Museum, but he that's his favorite place to go, and we go there probably once a month. Well, isn't that great? Uh, Tracy Irwin, she's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. So she's in charge of all the uh, programs and development and the exhibitions. And don't you just love that they preserve so much from the old Tiger Stadium and right when you go in that first floor and the big old Tiger Stadium sign? And and uh, they do a lot with the history of sports in Detroit. It's integrated in there. Oh, yeah. The history, the historical museum is fantastic. And our Detroit Institute of Art, you know, the, the best. And uh, and also it's a great sports town, Detroit. You know, from the Red Wings, Detroit Tigers, the Lions. 
it's just a most uh it's considered by sports writers one of the best uh sports uh cities in the country i, I totally would agree and uh, that's the thing about boxing it, it has its part and maybe it's not as big as baseball maybe it's not as big as football or hockey around here but um, you know, th- there's no question that this city will rise behind a champion and they will support their own, and we're going to see that coming. Right now we currently got a IBF uh, champion in uh, Cornelius Bundridge. Uh, everyone knows him as K-9. He's very popular around here, but we got some young and up-and-comers, and, and uh, Tony Harrison will be a world champion in the next year or year and a half, and watch the city come support these champions just like they did back in the time period you're talking about, like Thomas Hearns and all those guys. Well, uh, I was thinking of certain names, people that we were always around and stuff with the boxing in those days, and, and I, I came to mind was uh, Walter, uh, Walter Smith, was one of the trainers with, with Emmanuel. Remember Walter? And then uh, Jim yeah. Ingram, some old names there, and, and Emmanuel's uh, company are called Escott Boxing. Uh, just a a lot of history there, and I think that's what's so nice about uh, Sylvia uh, Stewart-Williams reopening the Croc Gym, and originally it was a city gym, but this is going to be, the location is where? I forgot what she said. Um, I can email it to you. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, that way you can have it in front of everybody, but uh, the grand opening is actually on Memorial Day. Uh, I think it's 12 to 3. Uh, we'll be down there, of course, supporting, and, um, you know, Sylvia's done a great job of making this happen. So let's talk a little bit about the area where you are, Midtown, uh, Shinola. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shinola. They picked up on the Say Nice Things about Detroit with their uh, hashtag Say Nice Things, and it was part of the dog park opening and the block party last year. That's where we got a chance to see each other a bit, and, and that uh, the whole uh, – Gosh, everywhere there's so many pockets in Detroit. Uh, there's pockets where, that need more work than others, and there's a, there's pockets that have just an unbelievable resurgence of energy and small businesses. And uh, talk about it, because you've been with Midtown for how long now? Uh, I worked, uh, I think, on and off for like three or four years. So, yeah. And exponentially, really changing, isn't it, the downtown area? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the Shinola block. Uh, Jolly Pumpkin just moved in there. Um, the dog park opened a year ago. Um, the uh, Detroiters are um, uh, have like a little shopping district in that area the, under the Auburn. They have stuff uh, to shop at, uh, a store called K9 to 5. Uh, they got source books. It's, it's a real special time, and it's, it's fun to watch, you know, uh, everything – uh, growing, you know, every every day there's something new down there, so it's really fun. And and the and the boxing, um, the clock gym is not going to be just for training for uh, people that are going on to professional boxing. It's going to be a, a it is a gym where people can go and work out and and uh, introduced. And particularly, I got the feeling that Sylvia, just some things I've watched the way you have advocated so much. And Rochelle, of course, is a big fan of women getting into mixed martial arts and boxing. Uh, your partner, Rochelle, I remember last year she talked about that. She had some high, nice things to say about a couple of the women that she had seen fight. I think one of them was uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper, who I think is from Detroit. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and, and Jackie Kalen. Jackie, was, she wasn't she on your very first radio show, and she was so involved in the early days with Tommy Hearns. So 
Talk about how women have been getting into the sport, and you've been a real advocate of that. Yeah, I, I think that if you're getting into it for fitness or if you're getting into it for self-defense, it's a way to uh, uh, help you achieve your goals either way. Um, so it's one of those things where if it, if it's self-defense, we, we support it because um, we want uh, women to be able to uh, be able to defend themselves. If it's fitness, you're, you're, you're incorporating the love of the sport, and uh, it helps with the sport. Um, so we are always trying to have, I, I think we, about once a month we'll have a woman boxer on or a, a women's MMA artist on. And it's always been something that um, going forward we'll continue to do. Um, women's boxing is nowhere near as popular as men's boxing. But on the flip side, women's MMA has almost surpassed uh, uh, men's MMA with Ronda Rossi fighting out of the UFC. So you're seeing two different ways, whether you're comparing boxing or, or MMA, but all around good stuff. You know, whether you like Ronda Rossi or not, she's good for the sport. She brings attention to it. And um, uh, hopefully more females get involved in uh, hand combat. It's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. You can get the shows at iTunes and also uh, Emily T. Gale Talk Story Facebook. We're talking with Brad Snyder from the Undercard radio station. And, and Brad, you know, 148 shows. I know that you've uh, interviewed Oscar De La Hoya. You've had a, a long lineup of, of good guests. And like you say, it started as entertainment, but now it's gone into a lot of other aspects. You're on the board of the uh, the Golden Gloves in, in the Detroit area. And we're involved bringing that into Detroit again recently, having the having some fights at Burt's uh, Warehouse in Eastern Market, which is a really popular and local and and just the atmosphere there had to be just like old-time boxing. I love the, you know, that was at Birch. But uh, you had up on your Facebook page that you had about Ronda Rosie being on the uh, Sports Illustrated cover. And uh, talk a little bit about her. She's the first female that the UFC or Dana White had part of his organization. Give us a little education on that. Yeah, Ronda Rossi was brought over um, from Strike Force, which was bought out by UFC. Uh, she was already a popular athlete for people that followed MMA, but um, was regional with uh, the Strike Force. When she came over to UFC, they gave her uh, the belt right away. She didn't have to fight for it. And at first, I was kind of critical about that. But after seeing what she does, how quick she does it, how good she's at it, um, I have no problems with it now. I, I You know, I can say that I made a mistake saying that two years ago when she was brought into the UFC and she's a money maker for the UFC she's in some films now uh, she just has that look she has that attitude and uh, Emily you being around boxing will know character kind of sells the athlete just as much you can be a good fighter and maybe not have that personality that people get behind well Ronda Rossi's a great fighter but also has that dynamic personality and so people are tuning in whether they love her or hate her. Uh, if you want to see her lose, you're still buying it. If you want to see her win, you're still buying it. So she's one of those athletes that um, is that perfect mix of character and talent that is very successful in boxing and MMA. Yeah, it's important in every sport or in everything that we do, you know, to be able to mix it up, not just in whatever sport we're doing, but to talk, be able to talk with people. And you see it in golf. Ricky Fowler had that. You know, he couldn't win, right? But he had the personality, and everybody liked the way he dresses more than his golf, and then he won the Players' Championship last week, and now they're finally saying, you know, that 
So if, if you can get both of them in balance like she has, I think wasn't she the best female athlete, uh, the ESPN or the ESPY award this year? So she's been backing it up with what she can do too. But I like that you yeah. you are pushing that and you know you're you're showing that and people are really respecting it. And what's exciting is that you're going on to a a new venue for your radio show, the radio station, the undercard. So talk to us about uh, where you're going to be landing your first show with the uh, your new where you're going to be broadcasting from will be, uh, what, June 16th? Just tell us about where you're going to be. Yeah, we, we decided that we're going to try to grow the show a little bit different. Before, we were very appointment radio in which you had to tune in, and that worked for us. Um, but we decided to go with a new network um, that will focus more on podcasts. We'll still have our live show. You guys can tune in. Um, but we'll have podcasts of the show. And... Um, the IT and the D people, um, I want to say thanks to Bob and David. They've offered us an olive branch to come to our shows on Tuesday, 7 to 9 p.m., so we're earlier than we normally were Eastern time. But um, as I get older, that's probably a good thing because getting done at 11 p.m. was never never really good. But uh, we'll be in the Activate Studios in Ferndale, and we're really excited to be there. Um we're, June 16th, we'll be back on, and it'll be the same show that we did before, but hopefully better. And uh, we're just going to keep plugging away at it because we like what we do. Well, you just has evolved so nicely just since I met you a couple of years ago. You know, I'm a regular listener. It pops up on my calendar and we listen to it. And But I was always found it difficult that I had to tune in at that time. So I like the fact that you're going to the podcast. I, I like to do that with my shows. They're on ESPN and com, and then people can listen to them 24-7 or on Facebook. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for you, and I've been really tuned into IT and the D. Uh, it's just a, a great format they've got uh, and what they're doing, and so uh, innovative and, and, and not, I don't want to say unique, but it's nothing better than when you see people take the, something that they want to do, like you've done with your radio show, and you're growing it and evolving it, and you're along with it, the way you want to be involved in the sport, how you want to present yourself you're not I thought that's got to be exciting for you to see how you're pulling it along behind you and at the same time opening up some nice uh, opportunities and different ways of doing uh, what you're doing yeah I I think everybody starts something with no end date in sight and we still don't have an end date in sight so that means we're either doing something well or we really enjoy what we're doing and um that's where we're at right now and we're just going to continue along a lot of the people that listen to us have become family we've gotten to know them because they come to events or have said hi and you almost feel like you're letting down those people so we're going to continue it on and um you know the passion's still there i i could see us doing this another five or six years and uh so we'll, we'll see well, it's it's awfully fun to see how it's growing, and it's really about being storytellers, and you do your homework, Brad. I know I've spent a lot of time before every show listening to things, like I listened to our show last year, what we talk about, and looked up about Sylvie and everything, and it takes a lot of work, and it makes you admire people that are out there being storytellers and getting other people's stories out. I was pleased to be able to make contact with Tommy Hearns a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, it'll be fun when I get there in June to, to get out to Croc and and see the gym. I have a lot of admiration for what you're doing, and a whole lot for the amount of homework that you all do, and not just homework, but the knowledge that you have because of the effort you've put into it. Because you've traveled quite a bit, you've gone to events, and you've you've uh, 
you've done what it takes in order to be knowledgeable about the sports you're talking about. Yeah, it's like I said, that's that's the toughest part about it right now is that people are looking to you to maybe be a leader. I'm definitely ready for it, but at the same time, I haven't changed much. It's just maybe because we've been around for a little bit and people are looking to us a little bit more. But, um, well, the first thing is just to kind of entertain people and get them to like boxing and stuff. But we, we, we like to pick mentors, and whether we tell them they're mentors or not, we we like to study them and stick stick around them and uh, learn what they know. And, and exactly what you did for Detroit with uh, Say Nice Things About Detroit, we, we, we like to use you as a role model. And every time I think of something that the undercard can do for Detroit to help it, uh, you're definitely in the back of our minds because, uh, you know, it, it's lots of people like that that make a difference. And so whether or not people know they're our mentors or not, uh, they are, and we appreciate everything you've done for Detroit and continue to do for Detroit, and we learn from you, and we, we try to kind of, you know, simulate it. Well, you know, it's a mutual thing, and it's a, I, we're mentors and, and different generations mentoring each other. I mean, the way I've been able to meet people like yourself that are the new generation of of, of uh, just advocates and energy sources in the city of Detroit and be able to tie in what I'm still trying to do. So it works both ways, and isn't it delightful when it does? I can't say enough about how much I appreciate my friendship with, with you, Brad Snyder, the undercard radio station, and your partner, Rochelle Witsick, and just uh, it's just been such an organic friendship that has been so mutually supportive, and that just makes my heart feel good. I love that. And it repeats itself over and over, and that's what I love about Detroit. Is, you know, there's a lot of, I don't want to say competition, there's just a lot of people out there doing things. So you really got to do your thing, and, and you got to uh, do as good as you can at what you're doing because uh, there's enough for everybody to really make an impact in the city. And it's nice what you're doing. I really feel happy for you that you get to do it on one hand with Midtown Detroit and on the other hand with your what you're doing with your own radio station and shaping that in the way that you like. So, Brad, it's a real pleasure to talk with you, and I'm sorry I'm going to miss um, the opening of Kronk and Sylvia Stewart-Williams, Emmanuel Stewart's daughter, and everybody that uh, has a, a little place in their heart for all the good things that Kronk did for so many years for Detroit. and keeping that, that legacy alive. It's great. So have a good time, and I'll see you guys in June. Yes, we can't wait for you to come. And uh, by then, uh, you know, I don't know how long you're staying in June, but maybe you could stop by the new studio. It'll be fun. I I intend to. <laughs> I'm going to keep that right. invitation. Uh, remember that open invitation anytime I want to do a show. So absolutely, I'd love to do it. Looking forward to it. All right, thank it. you so much. Can you tell those guys at IT and the D, I'm, I'm sure enjoyed listening to their shows. I'm glad you turned me on. I will I could, it'll be a great home for you. All right. Thank okay. you so much. Okay, Brad. This is Brad Snyder. It's the undercard radio station. A wonderful, uh, what do I want to say, just an imaginative way. They're, they're doing some parties in Detroit called Facebook parties, which are networking parties. And it's just, it really shows you the different generations and the different how people do their networking these days compared to how we did it 30 years ago and, and how we can all do it today. But it's a lot of fun to be in touch with Brad Snyder and Rochelle Wittick from the Undercard Radio Station, and I uh, look forward to seeing them this summer. It's the MIT Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. You can get past shows at 
iTunes, uh, free podcast, Emily T. Gale Talk Story, and at Facebook, Emily T. Gale Talk Story. Thanks for listening, and all the best to the Undercard Radio Station at their new home, ITA Medea.